We'll be in Joshua chapter 3 once again tonight as we consider our series, Crossing into Canaan. We're following the children of Israel as they cross into the blessings of God after 40 years in the wilderness. We're simply taking their experience, we're applying it to our surpassing 40 years as a church. And I want to begin by reading the same verses we read last week. That'll be chapter 3, verses 7 through 17. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. And thou shalt command the priests that bear the ark of the covenant, saying, When ye are come to the brink of the water of Jordan, ye shall stand still in Jordan. Joshua said unto the children of Israel, Come hither and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Hereby ye shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will thou that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Perizzites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth passeth over before you into Jordan. Now therefore take you twelve men out of the tribes of Israel, out of every tribe of man. And it shall come to pass, as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of Jordan, that the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand upon a heap. And it came to pass, when the people removed from their tents to pass over Jordan, and the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people, and as they that bear the ark were come unto Jordan, at the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water, for Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of harvest. That the waters which came down from above stood and rose upon a heap very far from the city of Adam, that is, beside Zaratan, and those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea failed and were cut off. And the people passed over right against Jericho. And the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan, and all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. Last week, the main emphasis was for our need to go toward the obstacle, and in fact, to step into the obstacle. The Jordan River was unsurmountable for all of Israel to cross over, and yet God's instruction to them was to go into the river. As especially the priests that were bearing the ark, the, the picture of God's presence, and once their feet got to the brim and, and, and just dipped in the brim of the water, the waters began to stand upon a heap, and the priest went out into the middle of the Jordan River, and there they stood. And uh, we, we can't look, just recap here, but we can't look at an obstacle and say, well, it must not be God's will because God had in fact told them to go in that direction. And so sometimes in life, God's going to tell us to do things, to head in a certain direction, and it's going to seem like we're going to hit a wall. And we might go, well, this must not be God's will, but we can't be so quick to do that. It may be God's will. God's best may be on the other side of that obstacle that He's led us to. Now, as we, we start tonight, I, I first take notice of the task of these priests who carried the ark. Now, I reckon there's no way to know how much the ark weighed, but I, I read a lot of opinions, and uh, the lightest I came across was 330 pounds. And most had that doubled at least. And so this is a very heavy object, this ark. At least that's, and I mean, I'm talking about guys who had all kind of formulas and they use this kind of wood and this wood is this dense. And, 
And uh, anyway, and so they, they kind of come to these conclusions. And the way, the way the ark was designed, if you'll read over there in Exodus, is it had on the, each of the four corners a ring. And the Bible calls them staves. There were these poles that they would make that would go into those rings. They were overlaid with gold. And with those staves, the priest could bear the ark. And it stands to reason that most likely there would have been four priests carrying the ark, one at the end of each pole. Um, I, I suppose that maybe it could be two and just kind of carry it like so with two poles on each side with the ark only being about 27 uh, inches across. And so that's possible, but most likely due to the weight, there would have been four men uh, carrying the ark, this heavy ark, uh, one at each corner. So the priests that day, that in our text here, they were to take up the ark, walk into Jordan River, go to the middle of the riverbed, stand still until all the people passed over. Now, how long do you suppose it took that many people to cross over? I don't know. I Listen, I get caught up in some stupid stuff when I study. And this is one of those when I got done, I realized I had completely wasted my time. But I'm going to give it to you anyway. Amen. So I, I got to reading something where somebody was trying to say how this would have been impossible for these priests to bear this ark um, for this many people to come across. And Definitely, they would have to be some strong men. We'll get to that in a minute. But we would surmise that there was about two to three million people. We kind of gauge that because in numbers, there was 600,000 fighting men. That would have been 20 years and up. And for that many fighting men in Israel, there had to be a bunch that weren't ready to fight, a bunch that could no longer fight, and then a bunch of women and daughters. Amen. And so there's a lot of people that need to cross this river. Now, two and a half tribes are going to stay on the other side. But the fighting men from those tribes are going to cross over because they got to help. And so, anyway, um, as one was trying to kind of cast doubt on this biblical account, how it's impossible uh, for this to happen, for the the priest to bear the ark for this long, for this many people to go to cross, um, this person only had them crossing by like maybe uh, 100 people across. So if you could picture 100 people standing side by side, getting ready to walk across the Jordan River. Um, And and so that would make each line of people, (laughs) I'm telling you, this gets so stupid that I wasted time on this. So if there's 100 people across, there's 25,000 people in line. Imagine to get on that roller coaster, amen? And so anyway, uh, 25,000 people in each of those lines. And and so the lines, um, if each person took up about three feet of space, you know, because, you know, we got to have our man space a little bit. Amen. We got to kind of hang around, eat our fruit roll-ups while we're waiting. And so if it was like three feet, then each line would have stretched. How long? My mind just went blank. It was a long way. We're talking miles. And so uh, if we assume the river was 100 yards across, which may be a bit wide, it depends on which kind of, uh, people you read on that, but I needed an easy math figure. Amen. If the average stride of a person is 27 inches, it would take 138.5 strides to cross. 
On average, one person could cross 100 yards in about 2.3 minutes. Well, if it was only 100 people across with 25,000 in each line, it would take about 40 days to cross. That would be another miracle, amen. But the Bible says the water stood upon a heap very far from the city of Adam besides Zaratan, and the waters were cut off toward the Salt Sea, which most agree stretch many miles and maybe as long as 20 miles that we're talking here that was crossable. With that in mind, if they were encamped many miles along the river, which kind of makes sense to me, um, and instead of that line stretching west to east, if it stretched more north to south, and if each person still took up two, three, uh, three feet shoulder to shoulder for about 15 miles north to south, that would be a line of 26,400 people with 95 rows. A lot less than 25,000. At the same rate to cross, for these 95 rows, it would take about 3.6 hours to cross, which is much more believable. Everybody with me? So if you've ever wondered, everybody's like, I never even gave it a thought, but thanks. Um, anyway, I know. And, and honestly, I have no clue. I know I wasted my time. Now I've wasted your time because the Bible says they passed over against Jericho. What does that mean? I don't know. Uh, But anyway, rest assured, I was mad at myself, and I'm like, why did I spend all this time (laughs) figuring this? Because I'm not good at math anyway. But um, the Bible doesn't tell us how long it took, but here's what really caught my eye in all seriousness. It was the strength of these four priests bearing the ark for at least three and a half hours. I don't know if they were able to switch out. Bible doesn't say that. It kind of lends itself that it was the same. But we don't know for sure. And I believe every church needs some workhorses. Every church needs those who can stand strong in the midst of the obstacle for as long as it takes for all others to cross. There's no way Joshua could do it all. He could not stand in the midst of Jordan bearing this heavy ark upon his back for hours on end while people crossed over. It took some strong men. And we need some strong men and some strong women who have the presence of God upon their lives, who will dare to step into the water, go out into the middle of that obstacle with a heavy ark upon their back, with the presence of God standing firm on dry ground, and allowing others to get over. I'm talking about men like Aaron and Hur. When they went to battle against the Amalekites, and Joshua was captain of the, of the host at that time, and he's down in the valley fighting, and Moses is up on top, and as long as his, his hands stayed up, the children of Israel would prevail. But if his hands would begin to fall, they would begin to lose. And, and Aaron and Hur come along, and they get a stone, and they get Moses to sit down, and, and one of them gets on each side of Moses, and they hold his hands up until the sun went down just so they could get the victory. And so long as these priests would stand firm in the waters, the waters would be stayed, the people could get across. And I'm talking about mighty men like David's mighty men. 
Adino the Esnite lifted up his spear against 800 men and slew them all in one fight. Men like Eleazar who smote the Philistines until his hand was weary and it cleaved to the sword. Men like Benaiah who went down to an Egyptian man. I love this one. And, and all Benaiah had was a staff in his hand and the Egyptian had a spear in his hand and he just walks up to the guy, takes his spear and kills him with his own spear. Amen. Strong in faith. Strong in battle. Not afraid to go right into the problem. We have some who are this strong spiritually in our church, and I thank God for every one of you. Keep the presence of God upon you. Stand strong despite the hardship so that others can cross. And pastors need these kind of men. Moses needed them. Joshua needed them. David needed them. I'm talking about men who will come up alongside a pastor and say, Pastor, I'm not here to try to take your pulpit. I'm not looking to shepherd this flock. But whatever I can do to hold your hands up, I will be there for you. I will stand firm in the river so that other people can cross over. Are you that kind of servant for Christ? Jesus had three which walked closer than the other, Peter, James, and John. Is the presence of God upon you enough that it doesn't matter if Jordan is overflowing all his banks or not? You're going to go forward in faith into the water knowing God is going to keep his word. And he's going to perform a miracle. For those of you who have been in our church for a while, you likely know that this passage is a great picture of salvation. The waters came down from Adam... And they flowed down to the Dead Sea. And we all inherited a sin nature from Adam. And it's flowing down to nothing but death. All of us were destined for spiritual death unless something happened to cut off the flow of death. And here's these waters flowing from Adam down to a sea that isn't going to empty itself, it's dead. And something had to happen to cut that flow off. These people needed the presence of God to cut off the waters in the midst of Jordan. And we we needed the presence of God manifested in Christ to cut off the waters of our sinfulness, which He did on the cross. Amen. We don't have to flow down to the Dead Sea any longer. When we place our faith and trust in Christ, we are passed from death unto life. The the trip to the Red Sea is ended in Christ. We are no longer, uh, longer hopelessly bound for death, but we can have life and we can have it more abundantly. On top of the ark was the mercy seat. And, and we needed God's mercy in our hopeless situation to cut off all of our sinfulness. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Now I want you to start getting this Where the presence of God is, people are crossing over. Where the presence of God is, people are crossing over. Do me a favor. Keep your place here. Go to Psalm 114 for just a second. Psalm 114. 
Bible says there, beginning in verse 1, When Israel went out of Egypt, the house of Jacob from a people of strange language, Judah was his sanctuary and Israel his dominion. The sea saw it and fled. Jordan was driven back. The mountains skipped like rams and the little hills like lambs. What ailed thee, O thou sea, that thou fleddest, thou Jordan, that thou wast driven back? Ye mountains that ye skip like rams, and ye little hills like lambs. Tremble, thou earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob, which turned the rock into a standing water, the flint into a fountain of waters. What aileth thee, Jordan River? Why were you driven back? Can I put it this way? Hey, Jordan River, what were you so afraid of? And what's the answer? It's the presence of God. Amen? Then I what verse 7 says. It's the presence of God. And wherever the presence of God is, there's going to be the cutting off of death and there's going to be the crossing over into life. And so you can go back. The priests there, they're, they're standing with the presence of God until all the people were passed clean over. Now, let me preach at you for just a second because we're going to go home and the roads are getting bad. Why do we do what we do? Why are we even a church body? Is it just so we can meet together and high five? Why do we, why, why do we preach? What's the purpose? Why do we preach the Bible? Why at the end of a message do we have an altar call? Why do we do these things? It's for this reason. It's because God is wanting more people to get from that side to His side. Why do we run the vans? Why do we do these things? Why do we minister? Why do you teach a class? Why do you get up in the pulpit and sing? Well, I get up there to sing because I think I sound pretty good. Well, I teach a class because I just like kids. Listen, we do those things because we realize that there's some sinners over there that have the death of Adam upon them, and if it doesn't get cut off, they're going to float down to the Dead Sea. And if we'll stand in the way, and if we'll teach the 8- to 12-year-olds, if we'll teach the 3- to 7-year-olds, if we'll teach the teen boys, if we'll teach the teen girls, if we'll get in there and we'll do what God's called us to do, and we do that knowing that God has people over here that He wants to get over there, but it's going to take some people with the presence of God upon them, with the ark upon their shoulder, going out into the middle of that obstacle that's between them, that's separating them from God, standing firm upon dry ground, waiting for them to come over. Say, why do we do what we do? Because people need to be saved. Amen. Man, there's a lot of people on the other side. They need to pass over. And we need some people with the presence of God upon them. Hey, Brother Long, why do we do Youth rallies. Whoop! Because there's one over here that needs to get over there. That's why we do what we do. And I'm talking about some men and some women who will stand firm and make a way for others to cross. Those who witness your standing in the river. 
Those who are teaching a class, you're standing in the river. Those who are preaching, you are standing in the river. Those who work on the van routes, you're standing in the river. Those raising children for God, you're standing in the river. Are you with me tonight? And we have to do all that we can do. We have to sit there under that heavy load, no matter if it's getting uncomfortable. And I tell you what, sometimes your imagination is kind of goofy. And you sit there and you think, man, here they are standing in the river. There's a heap of water right there. And they're looking over there going, good night. You ever seen anything like that? No. Don't you move. Don't you move. I remember one day I was preaching and um, preaching here. I don't know if y'all have noticed or not, but I, I tend to preach my heart out. And uh, I'm telling you, brother, I don't want to waste an opportunity to proclaim God's word. And I remember preaching one Sunday morning, and I'm telling you, it just was off and um, just an odd feeling. And, and sometimes you preach and you feel like, man, I really brought that today. Nobody responds. Other days you preach like, man, that was terrible, and everybody's responding. And so God says, God's just kind of whispering, hey, it ain't about you, amen. And so I remember preaching, and I just thought, man, this wasn't going so good. And, and uh, we came to altar call, and, and uh, we opened up the altars. Nobody was responding, and I just felt like, Lord, I don't want to waste time, and we don't have much time. And, and out from the back stepped a woman and started making her way down the aisle weeping as she came. And I knew her background. She came from a Catholic background, and I was shocked, of course, me of little faith. And, and here she come walking down the aisle, and she got right down here, and I met her at the front, and I said, Sister, what brings you down here today? She said, I just need to get right with God. That's why we do what we do. That's what makes it worth it. When a child will get under the preaching of God's Word and will begin to understand what it all means and conviction begins to hit their heart. And no matter what other people think, will come forward and will say, thank, thank you for having the presence of God upon you so that I could come out here and I could pray and I could get my heart right and I could be saved. Why do you do what you do? I can tell you why I witness at work. Not now, I got Brother Brock with me, amen. And he won't stop preaching to me. I'll tell you why you do it, because you know that somebody's on that side that needs to get to this side. And if somebody doesn't go out there and show the way and stand in the gap, who's going to do it? Who's going to do it? We've got a work to do. This is why we labor. This is why we keep studying. We keep preaching. We keep teaching. We keep driving and riding the vans. We keep giving altar calls. We do it all in hopes that God is going to direct more people over. Are you standing in the river tonight? Let's pray. God Almighty, I thank you so much for what we've been given tonight. Thank you for your word. God, we need some strong men and women that will get a hold of your presence and just stand firm on dry ground in the middle of the obstacle that's separating sinners from you. God, I pray tonight that 
there's any that are not saved, this might be the night of their crossing. And Lord, for others who are just determined to serve you better, I pray that they just get alone with you tonight. God, you work in hearts as you see fit. I ask it for Christ's sake. Amen.